0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, my episode of Let's Be Social. I have a very special guest on today. His name is David Gilks, and he is a personal friend of mine. And um, just wanted to welcome you to my little show here. Thank you for coming.
1: Yeah, you're very welcome. No, well, And I was excited to see that you actually had launched a podcast. That's very cool.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of fun, actually. I just enjoyed. it. It's just a passion project, a little sideline that I like to do. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of wanted to ask you you have such an interesting background and um you're doing so many interesting things. I thought you could just introduce yourself and you know go from there how you got started into you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh it's uh Well, it's, it's it's always interesting, right? Because uh you know people uh you often you often hear this quote that people see the uh, glory but never hear the story. Right. And, uh, and they always say, well, that's easy for you, right? That's easy for you to do. But I think, um, you know, to keep it really simple, it just, you know, there was a a very chaotic road up until I was 28 and I spent 15 years. I started leaving home when I was eight. Um, and I I made, I finally made a break, I think around 13, 14 for two years, spent a couple of years on the streets and ended in a jail. I got thrown in prison for a short stint. Judge thought I would, um, I could, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I could do with the lesson of what absolute loss of freedom looked like, so uh, yeah, and that was pretty effective because it you know who wants to live there and uh but you know and i you know it was just a bunch of just you know ill-advised uh steps and s- stupid things uh, as I bounced around the planet I ended up ended up i ended up in the south of portugal um which uh, which is uh, actually kind of a a great turning point and i and I'm pretty sure it saved my life because i was I was living in a ski resort prior to that and uh this was back in the eighties and cocaine was uh, cocaine was cool, right? People grew little uh, extended fingernails just so they could scoop it and um and it didn't, you know, it wasn't like you see it today, right? The stigma that's around it. Not that it was ever good it was never a good idea, just so we were clear, but yeah. it was kind of cool back then. And uh and I was just starting to get a real taste for it and I had the chance to move to the south of Portugal. So you know somebody was like somebody was looking out for me and uh and I ended up in this old country and what was so interesting is that it took me about six months just to slow down mm-hmm. because North American lifestyle fishing village in the south of Portugal not the same thing at all right and um, and I had to you know I had to obviously slow down because you know they weren't going to change for me. <laughs> so and I found this really I found this really interesting rhythm. And the more I, I began to understand the culture and I just found this really beautiful continuity and uh, rhythm and synchronicity to the lives. And no matter where I went inside the country, there were Portuguese people doing Portuguese thing, right? And there was, uh, again, there was this, um, was, this is, the culture was bound together by a bunch of old rules. And, and I, you know, and I see, you know, in our North American culture, we're out of our mind because we've unbound all the rules and now you can do whatever you want. And you can't do whatever you want, actually. It just doesn't work that way, right? There is rules that bind things together to make things work. Yeah. So, yeah, so I got a, I, you know, I, it was a real quite a, I guess a, you know, a spiritual lesson, I guess you could call it. It's an awakening to, you know, if I wanted to actually have a life other than the chaotic life I've been kind of playing around with, um, you know, I had to slow down, I had to pay attention. And, and again, getting to the rhythm It led me up to a point where, about three and a half years there, I'm sitting on the beach. I had this, um, you know, it's very strange, right? You only see this stuff in movies. Um, But this kind of voice in the back of my head saying, because your life was so about you and what you wanted. And you're, you know, uh, I was charismatic, so I could, you know, I could get in and out of trouble quite easily and um, never pay a heavy price, you know, because I could talk my way out of it. So, I basically I used people for whatever I could get, and I moved on essentially and so the voice said, "Well, you know because you were the, it's all about you when you disappear, and you will because we're all mortal, nobody will care, and nobody will know like you did your life didn't make a difference to anyone except for you um and i I." <laughs> I don't know if I it was a line out of a movie that all of a sudden my brain remembered or, you know, one somebody once said um, that somebody was praying for you because that idea punched me in the face. And then several months later, I moved back to Canada at the age of 28, great education, criminal record, no money, uh, moved back with my parents, humbling, and um, began a, uh, an internship in natural health care. And I began a, a really, a very interesting road the last almost 30 years now, the last, uh, yeah, the 28 years, 20, 29 years. Um, and it was just a 180. And then because I decided, well, let's see what happens if I go the other way. And just, you know, challenge after opportunity, after challenge, after opportunity, just kept dropping in front of me, you know, uh, moment after moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, it's... Um, it's one of those it's you know what they call it a coming to jesus moment right one of those moments where you have to really decide because you don't have all the time in the world because we are finite like we are mortal
0: yeah right mm-hmm.
1: so yeah and it's and i realized when i got the drugs out of my system which was a process my father uh, is a genius in the world of natural health care and i detoxed Every day that I was there, he'd build these, create these new uh, uh, herbal combinations. He'll wild craft it, right? So he built it all from scratch. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And I would be nauseous. And I had these extraordinary, awful headaches because he was just purging 15 years of abuse out of my body within, I bet it took, you know, I bet the first eight months was just me just feeling like hell. Um, And it wasn't detox in the normal sense of the word. It was like every cell of my body was purging wasn't well, just trying to get out of your brain or trying to get stuff out of your liver. I had 100 trillion cells cleaning house. Uh, and, and it, was, it was pretty rough. But what was so interesting on the other side of it is that once, my, once I became healthy, I realized that you know I've got a really interesting mind and I can wrestle with really complicated things and I'd like to wrestle with really complicated ideas. And I will spend years wrestling with complicated ideas. Where a lot of people get bored within 10 minutes. If it's not interesting, they can't figure it out. They just want to go on to the next thing. Yeah. Right. And it's um uh, you know, and that took me down all sorts of paths. So I did my internship for three and a half years natural healthcare and uh you know became a chartered herbalist and got an uh became a accredited what they call a biokinesiologist. Just uh us a just a form of natural healthcare testing and assessment. Then I ended up in the the fitness world because well, if you spend time on the street, you realize that being small and vulnerable, not always the best policy. Mm-hmm. So part of this thing is that, well, maybe if you're larger than most people, then maybe that would work and uh, you would have to be intimidated or, or feel afraid or insecure. Yeah. So, you know, um, so I got into bodybuilding and I got into training and then, yeah, it just it was so fascinating. Just things just kept dropping in front of me. And I just, you know, it's like the the rungs of a ladder and I, you know, i have been climbing and the next one just gets thrown up there and go, All right, well, I'll just keep going and have no idea where the hell this is all heading.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, um, most people have a life plan and I'm just blindly going forward, just it's like Pac-Man eating up those dots. The dots used to keep appearing, and I'm just eating them up. Yeah. And all of a sudden I end up from you know, coming back, you know, coming back to Canada, kind of like a landed immigrant, because I've been gone for so long. And now I'm You know, some of my best friends are professors at Berkeley University. I'm studying neuroscience. Uh, I'm fascinated by the neuroscience of memory and injury. I'm studying the neuroscience of spirituality. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, uh, it's really hard to believe considering just how far away that was from, hey, can I borrow a cigarette and do you have any cocaine for sale? You know, it's such a, (laughs) such a different... Well, it's just such a different con. It's the contrast is so stark, and and sometimes it, uh, you know, we always believe the negative things about ourselves, and sometimes it's more easy. To, it's easier to believe that I was that thing years ago, than I'm this thing now.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, is it, does that make sense? It's
0: makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's um. So, so what's what's been interesting, I guess, and I'll I'll kind of tie this thing to kind of tie it together. And then if you have any questions you can ask, you know, you can kind of jump in uh, because I'll just talk nonstop. (laughs) It's that um, one of the things I began to, one of the things I understood and uh, learned, you know, maybe about 10 years ago is that our brain is a pattern recognizing unit. It's a machine. That's what it does. Well, not quite a machine, but you get the idea. It hunts for patterns. And And the reason why it hunts for patterns because it, the cost of doing something that requires a lot of thought is very expensive. You know, if you are trying to learn a new task, it's just mentally exhausting, right? You you know, your brain's using up all this fuel. And your brain will use up 20% of all the energy your body takes in. So it's very demanding. So the brain wants to figure it out and then take the the conscious struggle and drop it into your subconscious and turn it into a pattern so it's automatic, right? And so, you know, it's probably 75% cheaper to have a pattern than it is to have a wrestling thought. And and so, you know, and again, you know, I thought that was kind of fascinating. So the brain likes to find patterns. So anything that wasn't working in my life, I realized, okay, there's a subconscious pattern. Let's go, let's go dive in and look at, look for it, and find where the patterns come from and how did the brain put them together? And why are these things all associated?
2: Mm-hmm. If
1: that's what the brain's doing, right? So it kind of simplified the journey rather than saying, why am I such an idiot? Why can't I lose weight? Why can't I save money? Why are relationships always suck? instead of asking questions that are kind of uh, vague and ambiguous, you're going, but underneath all these things that are working is a pattern, a series of patterns that are working if the patterns are working. You just don't like the outcome. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, um. so it's not like, a, it's not, it's not a conscious fault. It's a subconscious pattern. And so it's, so if you, if you understand that then well, th- then there's something that you need to explore and then we can rewrite those patterns of behavior. But it's not so much about good or bad, right or wrong in the way we perceive it, because we're not trying to fix something that's wrong about us.
2: Mm-hmm. We're
1: just trying to alter a pattern that the brain has has created over time unbeknownst to us. Yeah, and that's really you know, and that may, you know, it takes them takes them the moral judgments out of the whole process. If you want to get better, there's a pattern that you need to uh, to ameliorate, a pattern you need to change. So that you have to make the unconscious conscious. Clean it up, redefine it, and then drop it back down, and and you're good to go for the most part.
0: I think people don't know how to do that. Most
1: people, yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, uh, you know, so I have a I have a theory. I used to call it opinions, but it sounds better if you say it's a theory, because otherwise I'm just opinionated. But but and I am, I think. But the theory sounds better, right? I can claim academic uh, freedom here. So so here's a the theory and this and I this, I discovered this when I was uh, I had a uh I had a perk medfit center which was a perk medfit was a prescribed exercise and rehabilitation center and so it was like a body shop for people right um you know so uh, orthopedic surgeons would send me their new hip clients or their new knee clients or somebody's had a laminectomy they've had disc removed uh, or you know whatever the case may be and my job was to um to rebuild them Not just to make them functional, but just to to get them, you know, so they're stronger. They go back, you know, post-surgery, they go back to their life, not just being able to walk, but actually quite a bit stronger. Mm -hmm. And so what was was fascinating, and I, you know, we don't have time to lead up to the, to look at the backstory of how this, how led up to this uh, kind of discovery. But I realized that over time that if I spent 80% of my efforts working on somebody's uh, core strength. And posture and alignment, right? So core strength, posture, alignment. That became the primary focus uh, of work with a client. the client, and the injury was the second was the second part of the the conversation. But that the, the injury wasn't the focus. It was core strength, posture, and alignment. And if I spent 80% of my time there, the problem almost almost always remedied itself by a large margin. So if somebody had weakness in their knee because of an ACL tear, right? They tore the tore the ligaments. And of course, there's fear and apprehension, there's guarded, there's weakness, all this uh, this neurological behavior to the knee around pain and trauma, that I realized that working on the strength of the knee was only a part of it, I actually had to change the pattern of the brain that had apprehension, pain, weakness, avoidance, patterns built in here now. I had to change this, not just the knee. And so... You know, and so once I kind of came to understanding, you know, realizing that, well, the pattern, our, our physical patterns are stored in a, a, a collective series of memories called our procedural memory and procedural memory. is just how to right procedures. Right. How did I, you know, how did I start the computer? Right. It's there's a process of clicking buttons. And so the how to part of, uh, of life, you know, is, uh, you know, we have maps for it. And if the map is injured, so the map has that was really bloody painful. That was freaking horrific. That step, turn, ligament tear, scream, fall, right? Mm-hmm. You got eight months of limping around by the time you get into surgery. And so you got eight months, eight months of pain, fear, apprehension, weakness, avoidance.
2: Mm-hmm. Pattern. Yeah.
1: Right. And a very and a very acute pattern because you have pain or trauma or negativity associated to it. And then you're trying to rebuild the strength of the knee, but the pain pattern is still there. So you're building the strength typically on top of a pain pattern, which means that it doesn't work because not only do you have the pain pattern, right? From the trauma to the knee, you have eight months of avoidance and fear of a daily pattern attached to it. So now it's just this big mess of movement and mm-hmm. it's more in your brain's perception. So that's why I said, if when we start focusing on core strength, we didn't focus on the problem, the problem was a symptom the problem isn't the problem the problem is that i've got all these other patterns that I, need, I want to clean up right you know so if you damage your knee you'll shift the weight to the other side yeah. so all of a sudden you're wrecking the other knee and i'm sure in nursing like somebody goes in to get one hip replaced it's only a matter of like a year before the next one has to be replaced
0: yeah
1: damage one knee all the way it shifts over and now you're destroying the other knee yeah so being aware of that i you know i really knew that the you know there was one problem here at the knee but there was a but there's a whole body attached to the knee so let's look at the whole thing and 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 what i and what i believed i can't say i know this for sure but i've seen ample evidence that when i was when we were doing our work with the um with uh, the posture and alignment we were building a brand new foundational map or a brand new way of that knee looking at movement and what it didn't have attached to it was pain fear avoidance apprehension it was a brand new map that it was completely clear of that. And when it came time to put weight on that need to really start building it aggressively, uh, the map was, the map was pure. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes makes sense.
1: So, and, and in fact, you know what, we, again, what I've come to, you know, to believe, right. And I'll say theorize, but you know I can't say, I know this for absolute 100% certainty, mm-hmm. but what I've seen ample evidence of is that if you look at the world of exercise, whether it's from rehabilitation or just, physical fitness or training as a high level athlete. If you see every movement that you do as a core exercise, the brain will start consolidating or start pulling patterns in together that would normally exist. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Right. So, so, you know, if everything's a core exercise and you see it that way and you think about it that way, and you really really kind of uh, bring that idea forward and you're trying to say, well, how does this, I'm I'm going for a run, how's run a core exercise? And then you spend a little bit of time trying to organize, okay, what would that look like? What's that feel like? And how does that actually work? And once you clarify the reason why that did be so, then all of a sudden running takes a whole different, you run differently and the the risk of injury is less. Um, I guess you take that from athletics to just general fitness, And when the brain begins to see that pattern of thought, you become stronger, more agile, better balance, better flexibility. And, you know, just by thinking congruently and giving the brain, uh, you know, a single road to follow. Right. So, so that kind of took me into another place where I started looking at, um, looking at spiritual, spiritual development and personal development. And spiritual development is, is different than personal development it's quite a bit different
2: Yeah,
1: personal development is it's just like exercise right all these fragmented ideas right so you got the yoga you know the yoga aficionado everybody loves yoga you know and wait you know all your muscle heads terrible for you you got to do yoga and all the all the people that run saying ah yoga is just you know it's just it's just for the granolas Running's where it's at running has all these great benefits and the power lifters are you know are just scoffing at everyone because if you can't lift 800 pounds with well, why are you here Right. So we have all these camps of everybody thinking about their activity and this very isolated, fragmented way of being. Right. So they're not seeing that, you know, you know, uh, know, I did my teacher's training in yoga. Uh, I was involved in martial arts for years. I was a competitive uh, natural bodybuilder at at a national level. Um, You know, I practice Qigong. I I run. I sprint. You know, I love doing mobility work. I love track and field work. Uh, I like lifting heavy weights and I like being a bodybuilder. It's one body. It's. You can do all sorts of different things with it if you think from a core premise,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So, personal development, spiritual development are kind of that same same issue. When you look at personal development, it's a fragmented series of ideas that are not bound together. Yeah. Even though they all make, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it per se, but it's a fragmented idea. Tony Robbins is not going to come in and bury my, my parents, Right, he just he there's no flow to that. Right, he's a fragment of an idea. And and listen, this guy's done some amazing work. So I'm not criticizing. Him. I'm just saying, if I look at uh, if I look at the history of spiritual cultures, every single day. Um, multiple times a day you know people were interacting with their spiritual belief systems on multiple levels from how they interact with food, how they interact with each other you know with uh, let's say as far as uh, intimate partners, how they interact with the children, how they interact with nature uh, nature, their neighbors uh, how they interact with politics, um, it's just change of seasons like through the through our spiritual lens of culture over time was this really pervasive pattern of belief and thinking and doing things, but it's just, if I was a Jew, then everything was looked at the world through my Jewish faith, right? It's so looking at the, uh, you know, looking at the, you know, the uh, the Old Testament. That was my, you know, my my, um, you know, my guidebook of choice, look at the Old Testament. And through that lens, we all share the same values. You know, it's the same thing. Christianity, you know, Christianity, you know, op- operates a little bit more off the New Testament. But, but it was just this congruent way of looking at the world. And it was based off, off a central theme that it, that really affected everything, you know. And you know, and yes, I mean, some ideas have to be up, upgraded. It is a 21st century, and what happened 20, you know, 2,000 years ago is not quite, maybe not quite as applicable.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But but what you, what, I think, what you'll see though is consistently is that when I when I there's a book I'm writing called "From Knowing Better to Doing Better," and and it's the one thing that changes everything. The one thing is. If I'm physically training, I have my physical core strength and that becomes 80% of my focus. Everything else everything else is secondary. When it comes to who I am as a human being, 80% of my work is on my character, which is like my core strength. And if 80% of the work is on my character and that becomes the focus, my problems become smaller as my character becomes larger. And so... A lot of these things we run around and try to deal with. We try to find the right person development book to solve that problem. And, you know, and this, you know, the three sacred principles and the five steps to wealth and the, uh, you know, the 13 steps to you know, intimacy and, you know, like all these fragmented ideas. And it's not like they're wrong. They're just not bound together. And because they're not bound together, the brain doesn't know what to do with them. So they don't they don't they don't fuse together as this really powerful, united thought process and philosophy that makes life simple. Right. And so and I think that's what we've done very poorly is that we've um, in our in our, let's say, our disgust of some of the, you know, some of the things that have happened in the name of religion uh, you know, over the centuries, because we've kind of, you know, we've um, kind of wrinkled our nose at some of the more horrific things. And there has been for sure. Uh, we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And you can't have thousands of years of civilization built upon Spiritual practices which permeate every waking moment of the life and simply decide that all of it has to go.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And now there's no orientating reflex. Yeah. We don't know how to talk to each other. We, we don't trust each other. We don't trust ourselves. What do you believe? At uh, what level should you believe? And what about all these different parts of your life? How are they connected? Right. And, you know, and I, and I really find that it just, when you're born, you're given, you have two primary cores. You have a physical core that gets you up and running as a baby, right? Like babies don't have to learn how to walk; they just it just happens. So that's innate software or, or hardware, and so your your ability to learn how to move is one third innate, two thirds environmental. Which means once you learn once you're able to learn how to walk and you can move around, then the environment challenges all sorts of different ways. You know, let's say you lived on a farm, that would make you stronger and more agile. And it would challenge you and challenge you through the course of your life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Dr. Lisa Miller, uh, she's a um, PhD from uh, Columbia University, and wrote a book called *The Awakened Brain*. And this lady is extraordinary. To listen to, absolutely love this woman. And and she also pointed out that spirituality—it's proven spirituality is one third 8 two thirds environmental. Yeah, oh, interesting. So we seem to be adequate. We seem to be built with this this ability to get started, but then the world has to carry it forward. And so you see, a lot, I see a lot of our older cultures, for example, that we have coming of age ceremonies uh, for young, young boys and girls when, they're, when the oxytocin levels of the body begin to, de- to decrease, which is the binding hormone for children to their parents. That be- begins to decrease as, let's say, for young boys, testosterone levels increase, and they're going through this process of individuation. They're becoming their own person. And then our culture was so clever. They understood that it was necessary to bind, to, uh, to create a, a pattern or create a um, um, a system or a framework for these young people as they're breaking away from their parents to give them this framework to follow that gives them a set of rules saying yes you can be your own person however you still live in a family you still live in a community and you still live in a country you live in a society and there's rules to the game so here's how you can have your cake but this is how this is how it looks and so it became a guiding light for for young people and now you know what, what's our what's our process well you get a driver's license.
2: Mm-hmm
1: right? Or you're old enough to drink, you know, I mean, you've been drinking long before you're, you're legally able to, but, and it doesn't have that kind of power and it doesn't have that kind of, but that, that, that beautiful path that directs people, especially our young people, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, so, so, so it's been interesting, right? This whole journey for all these years has kind of taken me, you know, through a lot of exploration to, wow, everything's so complicated. And then drop back down to, it's actually not that complicated. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to humble yourself to natural and spiritual laws, if you're willing to make an exploration of that, then life becomes quite self-evident. And what needs to be done, it's actually, you know, it's not that it's really not that complicated, not that easy, however. Right? And you know, and I, I've always thought that people would never be unhappy, we'd never be depressed, we'd never be angry or frustrated with ourselves if we didn't know the difference between knowing better and doing better.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The challenge is, is that we know different. We just don't do different and we don't know why. And, and the reason and one of the big reasons, I think, is the reason why we don't act on our, you know, let's say our knowledge or our, our moral compass when it shows up. Right. When it tells us, you know, when our brains wagging its finger at us, mm-hmm. the reason why we don't follow through is that just like like a, an athlete, like the average person who goes to the gym has a very fragmented way of looking at fitness will probably never be a competitive athlete. If they look at things very fragmented, you know, they're just playing around with it. Yeah. Um, when we look at our, 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 let's say, our moral compass or our, our life philosophy, if it's really fragmented, we don't really know what we stand for, but in some places, but not everywhere, and it's really kind of kind of broken up, then we, we have no foundation to build from. It just doesn't work. And the more I get into this line of thought and the more I think about it, I realize that it just it's quite simple. It, it, well, not easy. The idea is simple, but it's work for sure. You want to develop a great physical capacity, see everything as a core exercise. You want to have a beautiful life. And, and, and it's not about making lots of money. It's just, do I feel good in my life? Do I feel good about my life? Then see everything that you do as a part of your character development. Am I, your character, your, your who you say you are, should be present and obviously present in every part of your life. And that's the job, to reconcile what's happening against this this, this character uh this uh, sense of uh, character strength that you de- declared. And then you keep saying, okay, everything's about my everything's about my character development. Everything's about my character development. Everything I want to say, everything I want to do. And you'll find that if you just simplify down to those two levels, the rest of it will start to unfold for you naturally. All right. All right. Said so that all in one breath.
0: <laughs> well, I find it very complex, um, all of those things. And I I feel like, Some people might start out on one, on a physical journey, for example, and may end up kind of like yourself, exploring personal development and those other facets to kind of learn about themselves, about their own spirituality. Some people never do. Some people I feel like are going through life and they're lost. So, you know, I guess it's what we're willing to take on and explore.
1: Yeah, well well I think that's why I've been, you know, why I, you know, I mean, we're we're connected by social media and so obviously I put out all the time just tons of information. Yes. And yes, there's complexity to it. And but but there isn't hasn't been a conversation that I, I've had with anyone as I take them through take them through the I Am project uh, you know, process that mm-hmm. you know rarely does anybody not know what they should be doing. And I think it's that level of honesty, you know, for every part of our life that's not working, there's a truth that's just not being told and, yeah. and be willing to go explore it. And, you know, and it's, it's not fun to realize that, that you are the cause. Uh, you're the cause of so many of these challenges that you created. Like, you know, it's not a matter of your fault, yeah, but it's your responsibility. Right? you know, like I mean, I've been at this for thirty years. so yeah, I think in a very unique way, and I've you know, and, I, and I'm quite obsessive when it comes to getting a hold of an idea. but it's but though it's not your fault, it's still your responsibility. and mm-hmm. and it's exciting. And once you start moving forward, if you're if you're earnestly moving forward, you'll find that uh, that there's people like myself, for example, that uh, are willing to just to give you a, you know a slap in the back of the head and point you in that direction and willing to give advice. And as long as you're willing to keep moving forward, mentors and people uh, that, that will desire to help will be there with you, All right? But if you're one of these individuals that keep asking for help but do nothing with the information you're giving, people will have, want nothing to do with you because that's exhausting. Yeah. So, you know, so it just, I mean, the help's out there, but you have to be honest with yourself and be willing to ask for help and be willing, be willing to act on that on that information. And the more that you show that you're willing, the universe seems to show up and say, okay, here's the next rung, here's the next rung, here's the next rung. And I found by 30 years, the last 30 years has been that for me, for sure.
0: That's very good. That's very interesting. I wish we could talk longer. <laughs> we, always, <laughs> we always have these interesting conversations uh, about things, especially uh, the topic of neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity and stuff. I can't
1: even say it today. Um, yeah, well, it, it's we, hey. Listen, we live in a we live in an extraordinary world. I mean, you know, you are comprised you are a hundred trillion cells that somehow organize themselves intelligently to give you life, to allow you to hear, speak, and live and feel. Inside each each of those cells is a hundred trillion atoms per cell.
0: Yeah,
1: like we are so complex, and and you know, Einstein once said that either you look at life like everything's a miracle or nothing is and i am complete i'm in awe of life
0: mm-hmm. at
1: all levels and uh and that makes life more interesting because you don't you, you don't miss out on as much everything you'll stop and you'll watch bees play in the lavender for 10 minutes just to watch them going oh they're amazing honeybees over here right bumblebees over here what's the difference i don't know let's spend three months figuring it out they get a bumblebee back there right yeah right
0: um- one of my friends she posted um, a daily thing of the caterpillar turning into the monarch butterfly and it happened yesterday and she was so excited she was just like I just witnessed a miracle yeah you know? because it's it's amazing just to see this transformation so in a lot of ways that's how I kind of look at you know how I am I I kind of work on myself and I'm metamorpho I can't even talk metamorphosize <laughs> but- into something else, yeah. Thing that I wasn't yesterday.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just you know, I mean, and you know, I mean, as far as we know, we have one shot at it, right? There might be a karmic wheel to make that come back, but for now, uh, we know that we have a finite amount of time. So yeah. why not? Like you're all in. So why not make every day extraordinary? Because you only have so many of them.
0: And just have fun. Yeah. Have fun while you're doing it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, well, thank you so much, David. It's been a pleasure. Um, as always uh, I'll probably have you back on again as a guest because I mean it's always so interesting the topics you know that come out and um, thank you so much and taking the time out of your day and out of the beginning of our long weekend so (laughs) um, we will talk again soon thanks so much
2: yeah you're very welcome